You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Good morning. Come on, that was awesome. So good. It's great to be with you this morning. We had, my wife and I had a great trip to Florida last weekend, and it's, but it's great to be home. There's no place like home. If you didn't know that this already, this morning, today, March 1st, is my brother's birthday. Pastor Aaron's birthday is today. So if you could please harass him at some, with, at some point, you know, with some kind of level of harassment, that would be fantastic. If you have any extra money left over uh, that you didn't give in the First Roots offering, please give it to him and bless him. Love you, bro. I really wanted to get like a really funny picture from when you were a kid and put it up there. There are lots of them. There were, there's one where he had some interesting clothes on, and I just wasn't able to find that one. So anyway, um, it's good. Why don't we just pray before we jump into the word this morning? Oh, Jesus, we love you so much. We love your presence. Well, we honor you in this time, God. We, we are here for one reason, and it's you, Lord. God, make us a people that you can dwell with, Lord. God, we desire one thing, one thing that we ask of the Lord, and this one thing do we seek. God, that we may dwell in your presence all the days of our lives. We may gaze upon your beauty, Lord, and seek you. God, we seek you with all of our heart, Lord. God, we, we love you so much. Lord, I ask that our hearts would be open to receive from you today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do what you do best, which is reveal Jesus. And Lord, that you would help me to communicate your heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to just kind of really share some thoughts from my heart with you. Uh, this morning, kind of a, a continuation of some things that I, have, I had shared the last time I was able to speak with you about a month ago, and the last time I was able to share with you, I really kind of talked about being a people where God doesn't just visit, but He stays, and that God is looking for a people that He can trust with Himself, and He is looking for people that He can dwell with. And that want to dwell with him. And we talked about being people that would see the invisible one. People that would desire above all else to see Jesus. And that Jesus alone is enough. Everything that we are looking for, everything that we are needing in life is found in the person of Jesus. And we desire nothing else here at the Promise Church than to be a house that loves him that honors him, and that desires him above all else. If you haven't realized it already, we're not here to have a good service. We're not here to be able to check the box to say we went to church today. We are here to meet with the king. We are here to experience him. 
We are not here to walk away later on and go, man, that was a good service. Our desire, our goal, our heartbeat is to hear from him when it's all said and done. Wow, thank you. I really enjoyed that. Where he is pleased, not where we think that that was good. Because sometimes we measure them differently. We, we, we do. And so we really want to be a place where God comes and stays, where we are pursuing him, we are seeking him, that the posture of our lives, the pursuit of our lives is him, and we are responding to him seeking after us, and then boom, a divine collision takes place, and we're never the same again. If you were wanting a a title for this morning, it's already up there, but it's about being a divine dwelling. Through the cross, through what Jesus did in dying in our place and shedding his blood and taking that punishment that was that our sins deserved on that cross and doing so and then raising again on the third day, he provided access for all of humanity to not only be able to be in the presence of God, but for the presence of God to dwell inside of us. Did you realize that when you receive salvation, when you receive Jesus, the person who is salvation, and you make him Lord and Savior of your life, his spirit comes and makes his home inside of you. That you now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You now are the temple of God. He comes and takes up residency inside of you. And we also might have an understanding or an idea that God is everywhere, that his presence is everywhere. That would be one of his attributes, the omnipresence of God, that he is everywhere all at once, all at the same time, which is crazy to try to understand, but it is true, it is real. But this is who he is. Now, there is a big difference, though, between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God, where he is there but he is extremely tangible. And just because God is omnipresent and present somewhere doesn't mean he is manifested somewhere. And just because he is manifested somewhere doesn't mean that everyone in that location actually experiences him. That being a dwelling place of God is not about proximity. It is not about location. It is about the posture and pursuit of your heart and your life. We can see this in many different stories in the Bible. We can see this even in the example and illustration of our worship time today and this morning where the presence of God is so sweet and so real and so tangible and we don't want to move on and we're, we don't want to be in a hurry. We just want to worship him and, and love on him, which is the whole reason why we are to be together and gather is, to, is for that reason. And, and we don't want to move on and yet some in the room might not even realize that his presence is here. Might not feel a thing. Might not recognize a thing. Might be like, we're still going? Like, when is this thing going to end? That this can be the reality of our lives. That the story, uh, uh, there's a story in the, in the New Testament in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus is with his disciples going through a massive crowd where the crowd is pressing up against him. And this woman who had been overwhelmed with a sickness for 12 years and had spent everything she had to find a cure and there was no cure and she was an outcast in her society and she had lost everything and she had the mentality, if I could just touch even one little piece of his garment, I know I will be healed. And so she presses 
through the crowd in desperation and touches the hem of his garment and immediately her sickness is cured and she is healed and made whole. And Jesus stops the presses. He stops in that moment and he says, who's touched me? And the disciples are like, what are you talking about, Jesus? There's all these people all crowding around you, bumping into you. There's a lot of people touching you right now. How can you say who touched me? No, 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 something was different. Which shows us again that you can be around Jesus and not experience him. You can be around his presence and not know the person of the presence. And so our desire, my desire for myself personally, for our family, for this church family, is that we would be a divine dwelling place. God has done all necessary to provide us access to him. He, he is the great initiator. He sent Jesus, who he, his one and only son, because how much he loved us, to take our place, to die on the cross so that we could receive eternal life. He initiated everything. He has set everything in motion. And we are the responders. But yet there are moments in time in our lives where he waits for us. To see how we will respond to him. If we will initiate pursuit. If we will seek him with all of our heart. Because I'm telling you, he seeks to be sought. He longs to be longed for. And he waits to be wanted. He wants you. And he wants your life. He wants you to know him. Wasn't planning on crying in that moment. In James 4.8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Well, who's, who's responsible for the initiation of that process? We are. We are. He's done it all. And he's, if, if you need a picture of what his heart is like, look at the cross. His arms are stretched wide open and he's waiting to welcome you in. But he's waiting for us to pursue. Psalms 91 is an amazing chapter. It's an amazing portion of scripture. We don't have time to dive into it this morning. I encourage you to go look into it. But in Psalms 91, in one of the verses, in verse 9, it says, If you, meaning us, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make him, if you make the Most High your shelter, your dwelling place, everything will be different. Everything will change. And it goes on to list promise after promise after promise of what, will you will be, what you will receive if you make the Lord your dwelling place, if you pursue him. Our number one core value here at the Promise Church is hosting the presence of God. Hosting his presence. Meaning we will not take for granted the condition that we know that he is omnipresent or take for granted the condition to know that he dwells in us. We will pursue the manifestation of his presence fully and tangibly for it to radically envelop us and change us and transform us forever. And we will not take his presence lightly or for granted. Have you ever wondered why some people experience certain things in God and others don't? Have you ever wondered why certain places experience a move of God or certain things of God and others don't? I really believe that this place of posturing our lives and pursuing him with our lives fully and completely has a lot to do with it. Absolutely has a lot to do with it. There must be a desperation in our hearts that says no matter what it takes, no matter how long it takes, no matter what it costs me, I won't stop. 
I want him above everything. And we, we sang this morning even about revival. We, we, we desire revival. But I want you to know that there is a person who is revival and his name is Jesus. And often we have this idea of what revival is. A move of God that transforms a community, a city, a region where salvation takes place, healing takes place, freedom takes place, where the environment and atmosphere of the, the, the city and the region is transformed, crime is eradicated, the, the sickness and diseases are, 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 are gone and, and, and lessened, poverty is gone, all these different dynamics affecting society, which is beautiful and amazing, and we want that. But community net revival never happens without a corporate revival taking place within a smaller group of people. And that corporate revival never happens without individual persons, people desiring to have revival transform their lives and their hearts. See, it really starts with you and I. It starts with us individually as families desiring Jesus above all else to be a dwelling place for him. And if all of us collectively come together in that place of unity and pursuit, man, I'm telling you, something is going to be powerful corporately. You'll never have corporate revival without people having personal revival. You can have, people can have personal revival, though, and corporate revival never take place. But you'll never have community revival without a corporation, a, a group, a gathering of people experiencing revival. It takes all of us. And, and I believe the Lord has taken us on a journey, taken me on a journey. I've been in this place. God, what are you looking for in people where you can trust them. What are you looking for in people where you are well pleased and you want to stay, not just visit? And I believe he's been, getting, he's been showing us and showing me these last few months on what some of those things are. Uh, one of them, one of the first ones is first love. First love. Where, and really the definition, if I was to define it, what first love is, it's the desire of Jesus. And what I mean by that is it's his desire for us to have first love. Because as we can see in Revelations chapter 2 with the church of Ephesus, you can have good doctrine. You can have a lot of great works happening. You can be persevering through trials and hardships and have lost first love. You never actually lose first love. You leave it. It is a choice. It doesn't wane over time. You leave it. It is where your heart and your focus of your life and the pursuit of your life gets distracted with other things. And you feel like you need something else besides Jesus. First love isn't about all the, the honeymoon feelings of the beginning of your walk with the Lord. It means that he is your first love. You love him more than anything else. I love my wife more today than I did when we first got married. That's the, the idea of relationship and growing in relationship is as you go through time together and you pursue one another and you desire a closeness and connectedness in relationship, you should grow more in love over time than when you first started. So first love is not those first butterflies of feelings when you first started loving Jesus. It is that he is your first love. That you love him more than anything else. That your highest calling, your greatest ministry is loving him. Is ministering to him. The next one, I believe he's shown us, is holiness. Holiness is the nature of Jesus. 
Above all else, he is holy. And the purpose of holiness, he invites us into holiness. He says, be holy as I am holy. So he gives us grace to become like him and take on his nature. And, And the purpose of holiness is to see him. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. The next one is humility. Humility. Humility is the heart of Jesus. Jesus said, come to me for I am meek and humble of heart. It's his heart. It's the heart of Jesus is humility. God resists the proud. If there's one thing that God can't stand more than anything else, it's pride. It's pride. And some of you might be thinking, oh, I'm not prideful. I've heard these things before. This is a great reminder. I tell my kids when I give them instructions, it could be about anything. It could be about sports. It could be about their academics in school. It could be life lessons. It could be about how they treat one another. All kinds of different things. But when their first response to what I, when I say something to them, when I bring correction, is I know, that is the first sign of pride. When someone tells you something and they're trying to encourage you with something or they're trying to bring maybe a a word of wisdom or caution or concern or correction and your first response is, oh, I know. That's pride. You don't know. If you knew, they would not be telling you what they're telling you. That one was for free. Hunger is the next one. The passion of Jesus. You can't hunger for him without him implanting his passion inside of you. Our hunger will wane, will will not stay strong, will begin to grow cold. But when you have his hunger, oh, you won't stop. It will only increase. You'll be satisfied with him, yet starving for more of him at the same time. The last one that I believe that God just just showed us in, in, when we were in Florida, is honor. I was like, God, do we got to go all the way to Orlando to get this peace? But uh, apparently so. But I believe it's, it's honor. And I want to talk to you for the time that I have left to talk to you about honor for a little bit. Honor is the culture of Jesus. It's the culture from which he lives in and lives from. It's honor. He looks for people who walk in honor. What is honor? Honor is this. It's a valuing. It's treating someone or something as valuable, precious, weighty, like gold. What is, you can also get the definition of something, what something means by looking at the opposite of it, right? So what is dishonor? This is what dishonor is. Dishonor is to treat as common, to treat as ordinary, to not show respect or value. And I believe the Lord is inviting us as a church and as individuals into a place where we truly honor him and walk in a culture of honor. How do you honor the Lord? Well, we must be a people that honors and esteems in reverence and awe the person and presence of Jesus. We cannot be a people that take his his presence and who he is lightly, or flippantly, or become familiar with him. We cannot take him for granted. There cannot be a casualness in our pursuit or our approach to him. He is king. And he is worthy of the treatment 
of a king. He is the king of all kings. We must honor the body and blood of Jesus and what he paid for. We honor his body and his blood by never accepting or tolerating anything that he, that he paid for to eradicate. Say that again. We honor him, we honor his body and his blood by never accepting or tolerating anything that he paid to eradicate. Sin, sickness, disease, pain, depression, anxiety, addictions. He paid to eradicate that with his life, with his blood. And you honor him by contending and never stop contending for that to be the reality of your life. If you accept any lesser reality, you are not honoring what he paid for. Honor equals cherishing the reality that he wants to be with you. That he actually wants to be with us more than we want to be with him. Eric Gilmore says this, cherishing him is the greatest stewardship of him. Cherishing him is the greatest stewardship of him. How, is it, how else do we honor him? Well, it is impossible to honor God fully and not honor those around you. It is impossible to honor God fully and not honor those around you. Philippians 2, 3 says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value or honor others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I want to just quickly give you a couple more thoughts about honor. What honor does in our lives. Honor produces things in our lives. Honor produces excellence in our lives. It produces excellence in all areas of our lives. You know, when a person is in love with someone, nothing feels like an obligation. Whatever the task, the amount of time spent, whatever the responsibility, it does not feel like an obligation. It is a privilege. It is exciting. It is fulfilling and we want to do it. God wants to take us from being a people about anything to do with loving him or others. Take us from a place of I have to, from I get to, to I want to. Because when you walk in honor and you're a person of excellence, you want to do what is honorable. You want to go above and beyond what is expected. You want to go above and beyond what is asked. In all areas. You know, with guys, it is really easy to know what a, they value. What a guy values is often really easy to see. For example, a guy has an amazing, immaculate, spotless, classic car in their garage. That car is spotless inside and out. And there is no toleration of food or drink in that car. Not even a little. Water is not tolerated. You will die of thirst before you spill water in that car. 
but, the, but the garage that that car stays in is usually a mess. And the house that they live in that is worth two, three times the, the value of the car, their wife can't get them to clean up their dirty laundry. Their wife can't get them to put the dishes in the dishwasher. Their wife can't get them to take out the trash or to even notice that the trash needs to be taken out without having to be asked. But that car is immaculate, spotless. I would say that there is an issue with honor in that situation. And what I feel like I'm describing is not uncommon for most of us about at least some area of our lives. We all have one thing that we treasure and we value and that we honor really, really well. And then other areas of our lives, we have a lot of slack. We have a lot of lack. We have a lot of carelessness. We have a lot of dishonor. And God wants us to be a people of excellence in all areas. In all areas. Where we notice things that need to be done before we are asked to do them. When you have excellence and you have honor, there is a level of promptness. There is a level of respect. If you have a very important meeting to be at with a very important person that you think is important, usually you are early. Usually you dress appropriately. Usually you are on your best behavior. Now, this is not about performance. It's about honor. And often we take the presence of God or the gathering of the people of God in the presence of God not as highly as God takes it. Just going to leave that one with you on the area of promptness and honor and excellence. Excellence means you have a servant's heart. You have the heart of Jesus who isn't asked to have to serve or isn't asked to have to be involved, who willingly gives and volunteers. Who Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and lay my life down as a ransom for all. If you're a part of a family, everyone is usually involved in some way, shape, or form of having to help out with the family. If this is your house, this is your church home, we desire and we need your help. And we need all of your help as we continue to grow. If we want to see God move in this city and in this region the way that we know that he is going to do, we need all of us to play a part, all of us to have a role. We can't have 80% or 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And if you have been asked to help and you are helping, thank you. Thank you for helping. If you, if you haven't been asked to help, don't wait to be asked. Ask, how can I help? Where can I help? Where do you need the most help? Because when you have honor and you're a person of excellence, you don't, you're not picky about where you get to help. 
Now, we want to position you and place you in a way and in a role where you thrive and you are func- you're able to function in the gifts and the talents and the ability that God has given you. But it, when, when you have a, a servant's heart and a person of excellence, it doesn't matter the task. Nothing is beneath you because you're walking in honor and humility. I really believe that if a person walks in first love for Jesus and walks in honor, all those other ones are automatic. Holiness, humility, hunger, they're automatic when you walk in first love for Jesus and you walk in honor. All right, I'm going to just list off the rest of these because of time. Honor produces integrity, holiness, and integrity in all areas. Honor produces generosity. Aaron, Pastor Aaron did an amazing job preaching on this the last few weeks. I, I love it when people have a hard time with just the idea of tithing and giving 10% when he owns everything. Usually what we found is people who question if tithing is for the new covenant is in the law of grace. Usually they have a hard time giving at least 10%. So if we go with the nature of grace, which Jesus says, you thought it was wrong to commit adultery. I say if you have lust in your heart and you look lustfully on another person, you're guilty of adultery. It's worse than actually committing the act. Jesus said, the law said don't murder, but I say if you have hatred in your heart, it's worse. He upped the ante. He raised the standard of grace with grace. So if we're going to live in grace and say we're not under the law, we shouldn't have to give 10% in tithe, then you should be giving at least 20% of your income. And usually that's not the case when we have a hard time with tithing. Just saying, again, grace raises the standard. You can't be a person of honor and not be generous. Because when the king asks for something, you say, it's all yours anyway. I live on your land. Teachability. Honor produces teachability. If you have a hard time receiving correction from your boss, you might want to check your heart. People who walk in honor seek correction. They seek out advice. They seek out input without having for it to be brought to them. They go to their boss and they say, what can I do to be a better employee for you? How can I be a better help to you? Not when they get corrected on the job, they push back and they have attitude and they, and they lash back out. Well, what about so-and-so? What about you? And what about... The... Thank you. I, I receive that. I will do that. I will work on that. I want to be the best employee I can be for you. Honor produces peace. Produces peace in the home, peace in the heart. When husbands and wives honor one another, when children honor their parents... And that doesn't happen automatically in case you were wondering. You must kind of make that happen. If there's one thing that gets me riled up is when I hear my children not honor their mother. Oh, no, no, you will not talk that way. You will honor your mom. But there's peace in my home. When you walk in honor, there's peace. In honor and in peace, honor confronts and honor covers. It confronts, but it also covers. 
believe the Lord is really inviting us to be a place that walks in honor. That again, honors him above all else and that honors one another. This word isn't a word that I'm sharing because I feel like we have lost honor or we aren't living in a place of honor, but I know I have room to grow. I know that God's calling me up in this realm. And I believe this is just a piece, a part of these different areas of first love, holiness, humility, hunger, that he is looking for in a people where he can say, I will stay, which is what we all want. Where he can trust us with himself. And he can fully give and unveil of himself. And we, and we won't take that lightly or take that for granted or get distracted with all the stuff that happens. Oh, wow, Jesus, all these miracles, all these salvations, all these things. Or, oh, wow, Jesus, look at us. No, <laughs> we were only going to be looking at him. And we're only going to be wanting him because he is enough. And it's all for his glory. It's all for his honor. We don't desire any of the honor. It's all for him. Would you stand with me? Lord Jesus, I just ask for your grace upon this house, upon us, Lord, that we would be a people that honor you, that we would honor your presence and we would honor you for who you are, Lord. We would honor your sacrifice of the shedding of your blood and the surrender of your body on the cross, Lord. God, that we would honor you in your presence. We would never take you lightly or flippantly, Lord. And God, and that you would grace us, Lord, with your love for others, God, that we would be able to honor one another, Lord. That we would honor in excellence. We would honor, Lord, in generosity. We would honor in integrity, Lord. That we would, we would walk in, in a place of honor for one another and love for one another. God, give us grace to do that, oh God, in our families, in our marriages, in our relationships, with our workplaces, God, that we would honor our bosses. We would honor our coworkers, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. We give you all praise. We give you all glory. We give you all honor. You are worthy, Lord. In Jesus' name.